0: Let's go to Australia. Karen Middleton is Chief Political Correspondent for the Saturday Paper. She's in Canberra. It's god-awful early. Sorry about our daylight savings, Karen. Good morning.
1: Good morning. Gives me faith that we are nearly in summer. (laughs) Somewhere.
0: It's been raining and blowing a gale ever since. But, um, yeah, that's us in spring. Now, this was a big surprise. I was waiting for some kind of... um, scandal to emerge, uh, with the sudden resignation, immediate resignation of Daniel Andrews. But has he just had enough,
1: Karen? I think he's just had enough, and I think he's also, as is the want of premiers these days and leaders in general, trying to go at a time of his own choosing and, uh, and orchestrate a succession, which is also what they seem to like to do. This, of course, is the premier of the state of Victoria over here, who was responsible for the world's longest COVID lockdown. They had cumulatively 262 days of lockdown during the emergency phase of the pandemic, which made people either love or loathe him in that state. Some people thought he did a fantastic job at managing the state and and minimising the impact of COVID. Other people thought it was appalling and want him gone. Um, The problem for... those people really has been that the opposition in the state of Victoria has been terrible and they have not managed to oust him. At the last election, he won again, um, which people considered remarkable, given that level of controversy around him. That was just a year ago. So instead of serving out his full term, he decided to go with no warning. And we are expecting the election of probably his preferred successor and fellow colleague from the left side of the Labor Party, Jacinta Allen, today. So he's winning praise from the likes of the Prime Minister, who's his very close friend and long-time colleague, uh, but criticism from a lot of other people. uh, And it's prompted yet again some hand-wringing about the state of politics in Victoria, that someone who has had as many controversies as Dan Andrews, you'll remember he cancelled the Commonwealth Games famously earlier this year and has uh, had questions around... um, uh, Issues within his party that led to corruption alleg- allegations and investigations about uh, Labor in Victoria, which haven't ended up really going anywhere terribly significant. But um, he's going, as I say, at a time of his own choosing and spectacularly surprising as all. Well. So, how is the replacement
0: appointed? Is is there like a, a an election, or can you just sort of yes. nominate your replacement? There will be will there be a statewide election?
1: No, there'll be a Labor caucus, just an, I internal, an, an, an internal Labor caucus vote today. So, uh, yeah, he didn't give anyone any warning. It's not clear whether Jacinta Allen had a little bit more warning than anyone else. Maybe she did, maybe she didn't. But uh, he has certainly indicated that she's his preferred successor. But this method of surprise ensures that any of the potential rivals to her haven't really had time to mobilise and marshal the numbers. So That sounds uh, familiar. A, you know, <laughs> Age-old Labour trick, I was going to say. I think you're <laughs> probably familiar <laughs> with that trick over there, yes. All
0: right. Now, the Qantas crisis, could it possibly get any worse?
1: Oh, well, it's just <clears> – <throat> pardon me, sorry. It, it rolls on and on. We've got a parliamentary inquiry here at the moment that was set up really against the government's will um, about – what happened with the decision the government made not to allow Qatar Airways extra landing slots into Melbourne and Sydney. Now, Qatar is a rival of Qantas and wanted 28 extra landing slots a week in and out of the the major capitals. And the federal government said no. And then they've given a multitude of different reasons why. This is just one of the uh, dimensions to the uh, world of pain that Qantas has been in. You'll remember we've talked about the fact that they sold flights that are being described as ghost flights, flights that didn't exist. They um, wouldn't allow refunds initially on flight credits from cancelled flights during the pandemic emergency and they illegally sacked 1,700 workers as confirmed by the High Court recently. So this parliamentary inquiry took some evidence yesterday. It's taking evidence again today about the Qatar matter and Uh, We're expecting Chairman Richard Goiter and the new CEO, Vanessa Hudson, to appear today. Interestingly, Alan Joyce, her predecessor, who ended up leaving two months early in the middle of this whole firestorm of of different controversies, is in Ireland visiting family and won't be appearing. Uh, And he doesn't get parliamentary privilege if he appears by video link from overseas, interestingly. So he will uh, apparently be call at a later date if indeed he returns to Australia in, in time for this. I'm not sure that he'll be falling over himself to come here <laughs> to appear at the inquiry. He did appear at a, uh, a cost of living inquiry um, in the middle of the controversy and just before he eventually resigned a, l- a little while ago. So it hasn't been a good few months for Qantas and uh, the dramas go on with pressure now on the chairman to resign and the likes of the Pilots Association And the Shareholders Association are saying they think the chairman should also go. He's digging in, but I don't think it's quite over yet in terms of the public opprobrium for Qantas.
0: Uh, Given this trail that has uh, accompanied his departure, it was a pretty big final payout that went with the chief executive, wasn't it? That's Uh, normally associated with amazing KPIs and, and, you know, maybe the way things are measured, that's what he's achieved. It's just
1: Yeah, I would colloquially describe it as bazillions, Catherine, but um, perhaps more accurately, it's upwards of $20 million. Now, some of that was salary and some of that was bonuses, and there's been pressure now to claw back some of those bonuses. The company is facing pressure from shareholders, some shareholders, to do that. Um, It's been criticised for focusing on shareholders more than customers and even employees, and there were some kpis as you mentioned involved in those uh you know getting those bonuses but again they were very, very focused on the share price and what was delivered to shareholders and less focused on how well customer service went and in the wake of this criticism they have recalibrated that so that the customer service dimension of those bonuses going forward is, well, from now even, is given more weight. And consequently, a little bit of that money is being, well, some of that money is being withheld, whether um, while they examine the whole situation with Qantas and, and all the things that have gone wrong. And it may be that Alan, um, that Alan Joyce loses a significant portion of his payout as a result. It
0: seems like the voting for the referendum on The Voice or just the referendum itself has gone on for a very long time, Karen. Finally getting to the point of early voting opening?
1: We are. It opened this week, Catherine, in um, remote communities. It's interesting because, you know, we have compulsory voting here and the enrolment's always very high, but this year, they've because of the nature of this referendum being about um, indigenous, directly affecting Indigenous people, and there are a number of Indigenous people who live very remotely in this country, the Electoral Commission has been given extra resources and extra time to get out to some of those communities. So there's six; there are 60 remote voting teams from the Electoral Commission that have had an extra week to do this. Um, normally, it, people would open two weeks before a vote. It's it's open three weeks, just this extra week being for those communities. 750 remote communities being visited by uh, mobile polling and they're going by you know plane train and automobile well not train but uh barge four-wheel drive boat light aircraft they're getting out there any way they can to get people's give people make sure that they can exercise their right to vote so that's quite interesting and uh for the rest of us uh who need to vote early and that includes me because unfortunately i'm going to be away on election day we can start or remote voting. Uh, sorry, uh, early voting starts next Monday, so um, and and people obviously can apply for postal votes as well. So there'll be a flurry of early voting, I guess, ahead up ahead of the referendum on the 14th of October. But everyone has to turn out one way or another and find out how this is going to go. The opinion polls are still trending very much in the direction of no, and look, it's looking like a struggle to get this. Yeah. Uh, question over the line
0: i saw the roy morgan last night uh, sent through to me was suggesting that as well but let's see um Mm. let's see how it all unfolds now this is a bizarre story (laughs) um the drug detection dogs we always think they're they're sort of um we always think the dogs are amazing and can can do anything but every now and then they get it wrong uh quite often in the case of the new south wales police drug detection dogs
1: Indeed. So there's a story in the Sydney Morning Herald today that I thought might interest you that um, the, one of the Greens MPs, Kate Fairman, has um, obtained under freedom of information laws data going back 10 years on um, general and strip searches that have been undertaken looking for drugs. And they've all obviously stemmed from drug detection dog. Uh, detections, ninety 94,500 of them, and 75%, it seems, turned out to be wrong. So the success rate is only 25%. Now, that I would have thought is quite alarming and very low. Um, and, And there have been recommendations periodically, including in a 2020 inquiry in New South Wales that was looking at the drug ICE, that they should stop using drug detection dogs at festivals. You know, there's been a concern about the impact of doing that. It's Sometimes people fearing drug detection dogs would take too many, you know, take all their drugs at once um, and and that this was causing a health harm. But now there'll be, I suggest there'll be extra push for that because this is is looking like these drug detection, detection dogs are not having A very high success rate, anyway. Does it roll over into
0: prosecutions at all, or is it more just that someone barges in the door, um, or, you know, um, uh, and then you find out that what they were there for hasn't been able to be supported by evidence? What are the implications? Well,
1: that's a good question, and this isn't very clear. It would suggest, I guess, that, um, you know, that that the dogs are detecting drugs on a person when they're sniffing them. That are that are proven not to be there so I don't know whether there's a case then about uh the impact of the, of the of the whole process on people I don't know I don't know what the legal implications at might be, but at least it's not it certainly... leading to
0: false prosecutions that would be the more well, serious that, issue
1: yeah indeed if it was yeah that's, that's right and it, it's it's obviously been found to be wrong uh, yeah. at an earlier stage okay mm. now I was politely trying to let us get all the way
0: to 10 o'clock without mentioning this but there's still two minutes left um Goodness. Yeah, what what is what is the reaction yeah. How widespread is the reaction actually to the wallabies uh wipeout at, at at the World Cup is there as strong a stronger feeling as was we might expect
1: oh yes <laughs> <laughs> i mean there's been a, there's been upset and unhappiness about the wallabies uh, lack of success for a long time but certainly uh, given the controversy of reappointing Eddie Jones. Uh, and and getting rid of his predecessor as coach. And then Eddie Jones taking this sort of unusual approach of appointing or um, choosing a very young squad for the World Cup. Uh, there's an awful lot of we told you so and what are you doing? And, uh, yes, th- there's a great deal of concern around about how, how badly this has gone. This, of course, is relating to us getting absolutely thrashed by Wales. I think it was 40 to 6, uh, in the uh, recent, in the last match in, in the World Cup, I think early hours of Monday morning, which sees Australia out of. Uh, or, or not getting past the pool round, it seems. Um, Fiji needs the to lose. Time ever.
0: No one's backing that. Yeah, I'm just curious, oh. you know, because you you you've beat the um, you know, you, you beat our um, warriors, mighty warriors, who gave us the season we dreamed of uh, in the league, and of course, this a- AFL is huge there. And I, I suppose the worry for the sport is a little bit of loss of interest if, if if the Wallabies continue to stay off the pace. That's certainly the worry in New Zealand because they're seen as vital. Uh, opponents
1: yeah well there are you know there are the pessimists running around saying it's the death knell for australian rugby i wouldn't probably wouldn't go that far but i'm not a rugby expert so we'll see how it all yeah. goes and whether eddie jones survives but he's got a five-year contract well so, that's if he doesn't uh, run off to he, japan <laughs> we should indeed, see. that's also been controversial quite yes
0: thank you karen karen middleton our australia correspondent